Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, continuing our conversation about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today, I want to talk about baptism. And what I would like to do is share with you what I call best practices about baptism. Over the years, I've both participated in and observed a number of baptismal services and ways that churches approached their baptismal services. And recently, I've uh, done some surveying some friends and other ministry leaders to collect some additional ideas. And the podcast today is really a compilation of all of that. So I don't want to imply today that everything on the podcast is something that I've actually done back when I was a pastor or that I've actually seen in the churches where I'm a member. Uh, where I have been a member, but uh, some of these things I've just collected over the time as I've observed others in ministry, but I'm going to share it all today as sort of my compilation of best practices about how to enhance baptismal services and how to capitalize on baptism uh, as the most significant event that it can be uh, in the life of a church. So here we go. The first thing I'd like to challenge you to think about is having more frequent baptisms. Now, especially if your church either has a baptistry that has to be filled and maintained and heated, or if your church has to go away to a park or to a river or to a creek, a lake or a beach, baptisms tend to be, as some people say, saved up. In other words, uh, our church only baptizes once or twice a year, and so uh, we collect the people who want to get baptized, and we help them to wait until the right time, and then we have the baptismal service. I understand what drives that sometimes in terms of the practicality of it, but I want to challenge you to rethink that whole process. When I was a pastor, I wanted to baptize in as many services as possible. I wanted to have frequent baptisms. I would rather have one baptism every Sunday than four baptisms on the last Sunday of the month. Now you might be thinking, Oh, but that's such a hassle. You have to fill up the baptistry. You have to heat the water. You have to make sure the right clothing is there. You have to be sure that the deacons or others who are assisting are present and ready to do their job. Well, my response to all that is, so what? It's baptism. You have the opportunity to portray the gospel in a visual format, and you have the opportunity to do that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Why not? So I would strive for more frequent baptisms. Now, I don't mean by this that you should manipulate and prohibit people from getting baptized or uh, have people get baptized before they're ready or anything like that. But I'm just saying in the normal ebb and flow of church ministry, do baptisms more frequently. Now, one of the reasons that I like frequent baptisms is because unbelievers may have never seen a baptism by immersion. You know, you go to church all the time. You've been to church for years. You've been a pastor or a ministry leader, and you've even participated in baptisms, and you think everybody's seen someone get baptized. But I'm telling you that the vast majority of people in our culture have never witnessed a baptism in person. They just haven't seen it happen. And when you have a person being baptized and they invite their unsaved friends or their family members to come and observe this thing happening, why wouldn't you want to do that on a frequent and regular basis to be portraying the gospel as often as possible so people can see it in action? Also, doing this frequent baptisms 
is a constant reminder to people that regularly attend your church that have not been baptized about the need for this to happen in their lives. Now, this can be adults, certainly, but also teenagers and children who simply see baptism and start asking questions about what does that mean? Why, has, why haven't I done this? What would it take for me to be baptized? Why should I want to do this? Frequent baptisms remind everyone of the importance of this act in the life of a believer. So I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to think about doing baptisms more frequently. Now, please don't misunderstand. I know there are sometimes legitimate reasons uh, why you have to baptize uh, seasonally or only uh, periodically. I get that. But if you have the means and if you have the capacity, baptize more frequently as a continuing witness of the gospel, as an opportunity to portray the gospel time after time after time, and as a reminder to everyone who's seeing it of the importance of baptism, and then also as a celebration of your church week by week, seeing new people come to faith in Jesus Christ and openly confess it through their baptism. Well, here's a second idea. When you're scheduling baptisms or working together with people to be baptized, send out invitations to, to their friends and family asking them to come to this event. And I mean formal invitations. I mean written invitations. When I was a church planter, we went so far as to have um, a stock invitation printed that looked like a wedding invitation or a graduation invitation. It looked like a formal thing that we were sending out. Now, it had some blanks on there that you could write in the date and the time and the, the person's name, that kind of thing. So it wasn't totally printed in a formal fashion, but it had a special look to it. And when we had someone that professed faith in Christ and was going to get baptized, we would say to them, we'd like for you to invite your family and friends to come to see your baptism. So uh, we'll give you the invitations. You sit down, write them out, put the names and addresses on the envelopes, and the church will actually pay the postage for you to send these out. We sent out hundreds and hundreds of these invitations in the early days of our church, And we saw dozens and dozens of people come, and many of them came to see their very first baptism, but through the experience of it, even heard the gospel for the very first time. So invitations to family and friends are very significant. Now, there are other ways you can do that. You can do these electronically. You can do these by social media. There are other ways besides the formal invitation, but I do want to challenge you on this. There's still something really special about getting something in the mail that looks a little different, that's personalized, that has enough gravitas to it that it would have a printed or even an embossed invitation attached. That's what a baptismal invitation can look like. So I want to challenge you to think about sending out invitations to every pers- for every person's family and friends to come and see their baptism. Now, That sort of ties me into another aspect of this inviting family and friends, and that is to try to have some kind of celebration, reception, uh, or some kind of uh, social social event in conjunction with a person's baptism. Now, I realize this might be difficult to do if you're doing a baptism every week. I understand that. But particularly for those of you who only do it once a month or only do it once a quarter or have to go to another building or go down to the river or off to the beach, you're only doing baptism periodically. Make it an event that includes some kind of social interaction or social gathering, particularly follow-up to the people who are coming to see the baptism if you've invited family and friends like I just mentioned. 
I recently uh, saw this done really well with my grandson's baptism at a park. Uh, my grandson is uh, part of a church plant. He came to faith in Christ. Uh, there's no baptistry in the building where the church plant meets. And so they do their baptizing at a public park by a river. And there's a place there with some benches and uh, where people can wade out and, you know, swim, do different things. But this church uses this one particular place for their baptisms. They also uh, baptize uh, in the in the park in the summer primarily and in the early fall when the weather's really nice. And so when they do that, they have several coolers that are just brought along by the church members and they're full of popsicles. Now you might think, well, that's kind of silly and kind of simple. Well, it is simple, but it's not silly. Who doesn't want to stand around in the park and eat a popsicle? How fun is that? And so the church had the baptism in that particular day. There were six people that got baptized and they uh, uh, introduced each one and went through the baptismal, waded out into the river, had the baptismal experience. And then when it was over, the pastor said, we want to thank all of you for coming, especially those of you who came as our guests today to see your family member or your friend get baptized. And so we'd like for you just to stand around and enjoy a party in the park now. We have popsicles for everyone. They open the coolers and start handing out the popsicles. And you know what happened? Everyone stayed and almost everyone had a popsicle. It was a really great way to turn a baptismal experience into a social gathering, which allowed for follow-up conversations and relationship building, particularly with people who came to observe the baptism uh, because they were a friend or a family member of someone who was getting baptized. Now, you can certainly go far beyond that. Uh, if your organization or church has the resources, you can do uh, uh, receptions or you can do some kind of a party or some kind of a food thing or maybe coffee and refreshments. I mean, there's all kinds of things. But again, the, the point is not to have a, a, a certain kind of party or a certain kind of event. The point is to connect something with the baptism that causes people who've attended it to stand around and talk a little bit and give you and other Christians and other leaders the opportunity to say to them, thank you for coming today. Uh, what did you think about the baptism? Anything like this ever happened in your life? and to have the opportunity to even open gospel conversations in that context. All right, here's another idea. Now, I picked this one up from watching some uh, churches do this that I thought did it extremely well, and it was a new idea for me. It's called giving every candidate a baptism shirt. Now, uh, the particular one I'm thinking of right now was a, a dark blue, navy blue shirt, and it had uh, emblazoned across the front, my baptism shirt. That, that's all it said, my baptism shirt. And it was done in a stylistic way, not a big block letter defensive way, but just in a stylistic way, it said my baptism shirt. And it had under that, in smaller letters, the name of the church. Well, another one I saw do this, they didn't put the name of the church. It just said my baptism shirt on the, sh on the shirt. And it was also stylistically done, but very different, maybe fitting better into their context and where they were. Now, when the churches started using these baptism shirts, I asked the pastor, uh, why did you start doing this? And what, what does this mean for you to, to do this, et cetera? And he said, well, we started doing it uh, for modesty reasons, we were having people show up to get baptized in all kinds of clothing, and a lot of it, when it got wet, really wasn't that appropriate. So we went with these navy blue T-shirts that people could put on over whatever they wore. And we also did it because we were having so many people get baptized that 
Uh, we didn't have the robes. Uh, we, we didn't have the traditional, you know, kind of thing that people wear when they get baptized. So we had to kind of move away from that as well. So we came up with this idea of a, of a shirt. And then someone said, well, why don't we put my baptism shirt on it and just let the people have the shirt? We'll just buy them and give them away. And we started doing that. Now, this is a church that baptized several hundred people the year that he was telling me this story. And every one of them got a baptism shirt. And I thought, well, that is such a good, creative way to solve a problem, deal with a couple of different issues in an inoffensive way, make sure things are modest and appropriate and uh, save the money, not having to get all the robes and keep laundering those and dealing with it. And he said, yeah, but here's what we weren't expecting. He said, when we gave the person their baptism shirt, we said, this is your shirt, wear it at your baptism, and it's yours to keep as a commemorative of this day in your life. And he said, then here's what's, what started happening. People started wearing their My Baptism shirt everywhere. So I started seeing them at Little League games. I started seeing them at Walmart. I started seeing them at uh, parties and festivals down in, in, the, in the community. People are wearing their My Baptism shirt after their baptism because they're just proud of the experience and it's kind of a cool shirt. And he said this is what happened when people started wearing their shirts other places. People would say, What's that on your shirt? Well, this is my baptism shirt. Well, were you baptized? Yeah, I was. I wore this shirt when it happened. And then they get to tell the story of their baptism and use it as an opportunity to initiate a gospel conversation with someone who's intrigued by a shirt that says, my baptism shirt. I think this is one of the most creative and useful ideas I've heard of in years about baptism. Because it not only solves the modesty issues and it solves the, uh, the robe issues and the laundering of all that issues and dealing with all those kinds of things, it also opens up the number of baptisms. If your church only has five baptismal robes, you can only have five a week. But now if you're just going to hand out T-shirts, you can just hand them out. You can do two, three, 25, however many you need to baptize, you can make sure that happens. And then this becomes a witnessing tool. I would have never imagined that. But what a really good idea for people to go away, take their shirt with them, and wear it from time to time in public places to continue to start conversations about their baptism. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's going to cost a lot of money. What's it going to cost? $10 a shirt? That's if you get a nice t-shirt. You buy these in bulk and all kinds of sizes, you can certainly get a good t-shirt for that kind of price. You say, well, that's a lot of money. Is it really? All the ridiculous things churches are spending money on these days. You don't have enough money to buy people a baptism shirt that they can then go out and use as a witnessing tool in your community. Come on, think about it. This is a good use of resources. Now, this ties into another idea that goes along with this shirt, and that is I've seen churches that are videoing the baptism. Now, get this. A lot of churches do that. They have their video cameras and their TV cameras and their online cameras. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having someone video the baptism, just the baptism, not the warm-up before, not the preliminary sermon, not the going in and out of the pool or the lake or the water, but just the baptism itself on a phone and immediately sending that 10, 15, 25, 30-second video to the person who's just been baptized and say to them, we want you to have this on your phone so that you can tell people about your baptism and say, yeah, actually, I got a 30-second video to show you. Here's, what, here's how it happened for me. And you just turn it on and show that video. Now, just imagine this. You've got a person with a My Baptism shirt uh, goes to a Little League game, and somebody says to them, hey, uh, 
What's on your shirt? It says my baptism shirt. Yeah, I wore this the day I got baptized. Oh, really? You, you got baptized? I sure did. In fact, I got a 30-second video of it. Let me show it to you. It's on my phone. And you just click that phone on and say, there I am getting baptized. Well, you can imagine the next question. Well, that's great. What? Why, why'd you want to do that? Or where did you do that? Or what was the reason for that? And now you're having a gospel conversation prompted by a baptism. So this immediate video immediately sent from a phone to a phone becomes something that the person who's been baptized has as a tool they can walk around with. And anytime the issue of baptism comes up, they can say, hey, look right here. Here's my baptism. Now, you can also send that video to other people who may have had a, a, a role in the person coming to faith in Jesus as an encouragement to them. I know that you led this person to faith in Jesus and I wanted you to have a copy of the video of their baptism. Listen, I'm a part of a ministry organization that reaches out to uh, baseball umpires. And when one of them gets baptized, uh, we video that baptism. We, we get somebody to video it, and we have them send that video around to all of us on the, uh, on the, the group text or the group, uh, the group email so that we all have a copy of it. And we can all look at it and rejoice that another umpire has come to faith in Jesus Christ. So this, not professionally made videos, not for the online or for the TV ministry, but just a quick video shot with a phone and sent to other phones is a wonderful tool to promote conversations about the gospel coming out of baptism and also to encourage people who've had a hand in someone's baptism, a part, a role, if you will, in them coming to faith in Christ. It's a great way to encourage them as well. So we've talked about a number of things so far. Here's a few more ideas. Another thing that uh, is an old school thing, but something that I think still has good value, and that is making sure that every person who gets baptized has a baptismal certificate printed and delivered to them. Now, again, uh, given the uh, inexpensive way that things can be printed these days, this is not a hard thing to do. Just develop a template uh, for your church's baptismal certificate that has the name of your church and the, the name of the person and a place you can put in the date, and just customize it for every person and print it. Um, if you have the resources, put it in a frame. If not, just put it in a nice envelope and deliver it to a person and say, we want you to have this. Just like you've got a birth certificate and a marriage certificate, or if you're in ministry, you've got an ordination certificate or a licensing certificate, just like you've graduated from a school and you've got a diploma hanging on your wall, this kind of thing. We want you to have this baptismal certificate as a permanent reminder of the day that you publicly professed faith in Christ and were baptized publicly as a testimony of your faith in the Lord. So a baptismal certificate is still a good thing to do today. Now, let's talk about some other things related to baptism that have to do with the baptism itself. One of the things that has often been suggested to me is the uh, excitement that comes with outdoor baptisms. Now, if you're listening to the podcast in Alaska, Minnesota, Maine, maybe not so much. But for those of us who live in Southern California, Arizona, big part of, parts of Texas and other desert places, outdoor baptisms are not only possible, but they can be very meaningful. Uh, baptisms in, at the beach, a lake, a river, a swimming pool, a hot tub, going to a public place and having the baptism uh, can be particularly meaningful because it attracts people who may already be in a public place to come and see 
Why are all these people walking down to the beach? Why are all these people gathering at the river? What's going on over here? And it draws even more attention to the Baptist to the baptism. Now, I am certainly not opposed to baptistries in churches. In fact, I think that for the most part and most of the time, uh, they work just fine. But don't shy away from, uh, maybe even if you have a baptistry, saying, you know, once or twice a year, our church is going to have an outdoor baptism. So if you've always wanted to be baptized at the lake or baptized at a beach or baptized in a public setting, this is the day for you. So while baptistry baptisms can go on week by week, you can have these special event baptisms uh, from time to time in public places. Now, one particular pastor told me that when they uh, did some remodeling and redesign of their buildings and their campus, that one of the things they did was installed a fountain outside their worship center, which has a deep enough pool as a part of it that they can baptize in the fountain out in front of their church. I thought, well, you know, that's interesting, I guess. They had a baptistry in the building. Now they've built one outside the building. And then he said, oh, but the reason we did it is because that fountain is out near the street in front of our church, which is a major thoroughfare. So we have people gather where they're all facing the street, gather around the fountain where you can still see the fountain from the street. And then we have the baptisms in that fountain where people, in this case, hundreds of people are driving by on this major thoroughfare and they're seeing this experience of these baptisms taking place out in front of this church building in this fountain that was designed not only as a decorative fountain through the week, but as a place for baptisms uh, when, uh, when that's appropriate on the weekends as well. So baptistry or baptisms in public places, uh, I'd advocate for those, not against baptistries, think they can be used most of the time. But even if your church has one, it might be good to, from time to time, go for the baptism in a public place. Now, here's another thing about baptisms, and this one may be a little controversial for some, so stay with me. I believe that any saved, baptized, professing Christian can participate in baptizing another believer. Now, I do believe that baptism is a church ordinance and ought to be practiced in the context of the fellowship of a local church where there's mutuality and accountability. I believe that. But in the context of that occurring, the pastor doesn't either have to be the only one who does the baptizing, or nor does he have to do all the baptizing by himself. So, for example, I would advocate that the pastor be assisted by other people, other believers, other church members in doing these baptismal services for a whole bunch of reasons. First of all, it's a great opportunity to let other people share in the joy of baptizing someone that they've had a role in helping come to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Second, it's a great witness of the priesthood of the believer and of the fact that we all have shared responsibility for discipling, baptizing, teaching, fulfilling the Great Commission. Assisting pastors uh, also provides a way uh, for pastors to have some help with people who are being baptized, particularly people who may have uh, some uh, physical challenges or who may be larger or taller than pastors. For things like this, it's just a practical assistance as well. Now, who can do uh, this assisting? Well, fathers, mothers, siblings, friends, 
the evangelizer, the person who was instrumental in them coming to faith in Jesus, these are the people who can assist with baptism. One of the coolest things I've done in the past when a family all came to faith in Jesus and wanted to be baptized together was to say, uh, I'm going to ask uh, the father and husband to step forward first, and I'm going to baptize him in leadership of his family into the baptismal waters. And then when I finished with that baptism, I say, now I'm going to ask this new believer in Jesus Christ, who's now publicly professed his faith through baptism, to assist me with the baptism of his family members. And we, he assists with his wife and his children. Oh, what a powerful symbol and moment that is of a father taking the initiative to assist a pastor in the baptismal moment. Now, in most churches, pastors or associate pastors still do most of the baptizing, and I'm totally comfortable with that. I think in a lot of ways and for a lot of reasons, it's the best way to go about organizing baptismal services. But there's not anything wrong with having multiple people participate, help with, assist with, and share the joy of being in the baptistry and helping with these baptismal moments. Now, another thing that I've seen done, especially when you're going to have three or four or five baptisms in a row in a worship service, uh, you've got people, you've got time for people to come down into the pool, go out of the pool, these kinds of things. Uh, and even if you're doing an outdoor public baptism and you're doing the same thing, you may have the same kind of transitional time that's involved. Uh, I've seen a number of churches use music very effectively as a part of a baptismal service so that they sing, for example, a, a, a verse of a hymn, and then there's a baptism, and then when that one's over, there's another verse of another song, a hymn, uh, and then there's another baptism, and there's just this moving through singing and baptizing, singing and baptizing uh, as you have that expression of worship together the singing and the baptizing coming together as an expression of worship to God. So that's another way to bring uh, another perspective or some a different way of doing the actual baptism uh, to the to the service. So these are some ways to talk about um, how to affect the baptism itself and what to do while you're actually doing the experience itself. Now, another part of this. Uh, that's often related to the baptismal moment are testimonies. Now, I've seen these done a lot of different ways. Uh, I've seen the baptismal candidate ask a series of questions that they can give yes or no answers. I've seen the baptismal candidate be placed uh, in front of a microphone and told to give their testimony. Uh, that's pretty hard for some people to do. It's already stressful that they're getting baptized. They're nervous. They're excited. They're uh, they're they're really uh, moved emotionally. And now you're asking them to do the hardest thing for most people. That's make a public speech. So that may not be the best thing to do, but nevertheless, it is an option. Another thing I've seen done recently is for the baptismal candidate to write out their testimony and ask someone to read it for them. So, for example, in the case that I just witnessed, uh, a teenager had written out her testimony and she asked her mother to read it. And her mother simply stood by the baptistry and said, this is my daughter's testimony. And she read her story of how she came to Christ and what her baptism meant to her. And when she finished reading, the pastor turned to the candidate and said, you've heard this testimony read. Is this the testimony of your life as you've committed yourself to Jesus Christ? And the girl said, yes, it is. And he said, then I baptize you today, my Christian sister, and went on with the ser service. So my point is that there's lots of different ways to do these baptisms. Another way to do it is to allow the, the testimony to be videoed before the service, uh, especially showing it 
just before and then having the person come into the pool and get baptized is a good effective way to incorporate testimony into baptism. So there's lots of ways uh, to get testimony connected uh, to the candidate. Another way to do this, which is a little bit of a twist, is to have someone give their testimony who was instrumental in the person coming to faith in Jesus. Now, you want to be careful here because you don't want it to become about the person sharing the gospel and let them go on and on and on about all the details of how they did that. You want to keep that very brief as well. But if they can say a brief testimony of how they helped this person come to faith in Jesus, that can be very meaningful as well. Well, finally, another thing to do during a baptismal service is to take steps to create what I call a team culture of evangelism in a church. So when someone is getting baptized, you create that team culture around evangelism by saying something like this. This is my friend who's being baptized today. If you're here today and you've ever prayed for this person to become a Christian, would you please stand? If you're here today and you ever talked with this person about their relationship with God and witnessed to them about the gospel, would you please stand? If you're here today and you ever taught this person in Sunday school, would you please stand? If you ever hosted this person for any other kind of ministry, took them to youth camp, taught them in vacation Bible school or something like that, would you please stand? If you're here today, if it's an adult particularly, and you've cared for this person's children while they attended worship service or attended Bible study so they could hear the gospel, would you please stand? When I did this, I would always have 5, 10, 25 people standing, and then I would turn to the candidate and say, you see all these people standing. They all cared enough about you to invest in your life that you could come to faith in Jesus. They wanted you to know that they love you and that they're glad you've become a Christian today or that you've become a Christian and you're being baptized today. So you get the idea. Anything you can do to create a team culture of evangelism so that people have a sense of sharing in that baptismal moment will make the service ever more powerful. Wow, I have loved doing this podcast today. I love talking about baptism because it is the public symbol of new life in Jesus Christ. I loved celebrating baptism as a pastor. I love seeing baptisms now as a Christian church member and ministry leader. I love hearing about baptismal stories. And as you can tell from this podcast, I enjoy listening to, watching, and learning from people about how to do baptisms in the most meaningful way possible. I've given you about a dozen suggestions today. You may not be able to do all of them. They may not all fit in your context. But think through this list. Look at what you're doing and how you're doing it. And see if you can't take specific, concrete steps to enhance the baptismal experiences in your church. Baptism is a meaningful moment. It's your responsibility to do it well as you lead on.